Holiday House Books for Young People presents Matthew Cordell, author of Hello, Neighbor, The Kind and Caring World of Mr. Rogers, in conversation with publisher and editor Neil Porter. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Holiday House Guest Book Podcast. I'm Neil Porter, publisher of Neil Porter Books, and it is my immense pleasure to be talking to Matthew Cordell, Caldecott medalist Matthew Cordell, um, about his book, Hello, Neighbor, The Kind and Caring World of Mr. Rogers, uh, which we published actually a few months ago, um, but remains as vital, as important at this moment in time as it did back in May. I guess I, I want to start, you know, one starts at the very beginning. So, Matt, what prompted you to, to conceive of this book? Well, um, so I was, we're going to go way back in time. Uh, I was born in um, 1975, and which was really um, the prime, prime years for Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and, and a lot of what was happening in children's programming on PBS uh, in the late, late, late 70s when I was in preschool. So it was a big part of my childhood. And I, you know, grew up loving Mr. Rogers. And then there's, you know, it was a period of life where I didn't really think about him too much. It just sort of other things or more, you know, take importance in your life when you're a teenager and your twenties. And you know, I would still think about Mr. Rogers in different ways, you know, cause he would resurface in pop culture for whatever reason. Uh, but it wasn't until um, my daughter, Romy was born in 2008. And then we, when she got up to be about two years old, we started watching a little bit of television. We were watching PBS kids. And one afternoon I was with her, just the two of us. And uh, just PBS kids was on the background, one of our local affiliates here. And, and uh, I heard the music of Mr. Rogers neighborhood come on from the other room. And I went in there. It was just this really, it, it was such a, it was, it was like, it's a kind of a visceral experience, you know, it was like this thing, this this music that I was ingrained in me as a child and uh, to hear it again after so many years, it was just really, it was really striking. So I I went into the other room and started watching it and with Romy and um, it didn't take me long to just be really kind of gobsmacked by the program. There was so much that I didn't notice about it as a child uh, that I saw as an adult. It was just, it was incredibly sincere. Um, There was no irony, no sarcasm, uh, just completely loving and caring and attentive to children. And um, Mr. Rogers himself was such a warm, um, kind person that it, it really struck me, you know, it really kind of stopped me in my tracks and I started watching it every day with or without Romy. And, uh, I got to where I was just fascinated by this character, Mr. Rogers, to the point where I wanted to learn more about Fred Rogers, the man who played Mr. Rogers. And it didn't take long to discover that Fred Rogers was essentially exactly like Mr. Rogers, which was surprising as well, because I, Usually when someone plays a character on television or in film, they're very different from that character. But Mr. Rogers and Fred Rogers were one and the same. And uh, 
at that point, I, my, the gears in my, my author and illustrator head started turning. I, I was just so struck and fascinated by this whole story of this man and his life and his art. This was in 2010 <laughs> that I start, first got this idea to make a book. And Eight years uh, ago. This is the 10th ten- anniversary of when that idea <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, pretty much so. It was about 10 years ago. It would have probably been in the fall. Uh, and um, I, just, I just knew, like, I, his story, the, you know, even back then, I, the world – it's just kind of a dark, it's a dark place as an adult and it can be a dark place as a child and as, and, and, you know, within a family and uh, just for, to find someone who is so just outwardly sincere and kind and loving and uh, forgiving and, and accepting. It was just, it was just so powerful to me that uh, I was immediately just, it just became a, a hero to me as the more that I learned about him. And I, and I, and this was in a time when Mr. Rogers had sort of fallen into the much, very much so into the background. He wasn't being discussed very much. There was the Mr. Rogers neighborhood was not being played on a lot of um, television stations anymore. Um, people were certainly aware of him. Like if you ever said, Mr. Rogers, you know, uh, children may not, know who that was but adults who grew up with mr rogers in different ways would know who mr rogers is but for the most part people didn't weren't speaking about mr rogers he wasn't in the public eye well i think you know i think as an adult one tends to sometimes kind of think disparagingly about a genuine sentiment and Mm -hmm. and uh and that kind of caring quality you talked about and i think it almost in it almost became a kind of throwaway that Mr. Rogers stood for something that was kind of sweet and sentimental and mm-hmm. simplistic and childish as opposed to childlike. And that was kind of sad, but it was where we were perhaps um, at that moment in time. I agree. And I, and I find myself, I, I was finding my in my life and in my own uh, worldview, I guess, uh, I was often sort of judgmental and uh, skeptical, I guess, about things that were just overly kind and overly sweet. And, uh, but then I got to a point and I think a lot changed in me when I became a parent, a dad, uh, that I just really was, was hungry for, for more positivity and more acceptance, you know, more, more love and, and, and more, uh, just open minds uh, in terms of appreciating other perspectives and, and understanding and wanting to understand other people that aren't like us, aren't like you ourselves. And um, just the, the, the realness, you know, there was no, there was no, like I said, there was no irony or sarcasm, which I found that I as an adult was, was sort of like that as well, you know, being more skeptical and sarcastic and, and, uh, in that, in, in that way. And, and, and I got sort of just tired of it. You know, I just got sort of burned out on, on being that way and, and being around so many people that way that, that it was just so, it was so refreshing to me to rediscover Mr. Rogers because he, and at that time, you know, it was really apparent to me that he was one of a kind, you know, there's no one that I can think of 
that that approaches the world with that sort of positivity and uh, and understanding, um, just complete and 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 zen like, you know, just sort of very grounded. Um, it was all very very moving to me to discover that. It must have been really interesting because you were looking at him from the prism of adulthood at that point and as a father, and it must have been interesting to revisit him with Romy in the room and see it through her eyes. Did you did you notice anything about how she was responding? Did it remind you of your own childhood? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, you know, it, at, at that age, you know, it's it's very difficult to remember um, how I may have, uh, I, you know, I remember loving certain things about the program, which uh, I can I can remember Romy liking as well. Um, there there are things about it that are just that that I think are just instantly appealing to children, like the puppetry of the program, uh, the neighborhood of make believe. Um, you know the the short films that uh, where uh, you know to where how finding out how people make things where there's factory visits a lot of those things I think are are so are just so so really appealing to the child mind that uh, I could see you know my own children have have liked those things as well um, and that was fun to watch you know to see um, to be able to see it myself as an adult but also sit side by side and 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 watch a child uh my own children um experience it the way that i was too well uh, that sense of imaginative play um as typified by the by by the lad of make-believe is something that i deal with all the time in my work and i love playing with kids imaginations or uh finding material that might play into their imaginations. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's affected me as well. But so let's get back to the book itself. So you had this notion of you wanted to do a book about Mr. Rogers and, and how, and where did you go from there? So, um, so as I mentioned, this was 10 years ago. Uh, and initially, you know, not having ever worked on a, a anything nonfiction. I'd never written any nonfiction. I'd never illustrated even um, any work of nonfiction. So it was all very foreign to me and it was all very intimidating to me. So it was, it was intimidating in, a, in you know, different ways, you know, for one that I had never done it, but also, I, you know, this was a huge, this was a big person to me, a big, a big subject for me. Um, someone who I really looked up to and it was, it was intimidating to think that I might not be able to do it like it should be done. Um, so it, I sat on it for a long time. Um, just sort of one of those things where I think a lot of people who make things, uh, if you have, if you're presented with trying something new, um, you start to think, Oh, I'll, I'll do it in such and such time. You know, <laughs> I'll get, I'll get around to this eventually. Um, and it just kept, it was a lot of that, you know, for, for years really. Um, and then a few, a few little things were, were happening here and there. Um, we, Julie and I, my wife, Julie and our children, we, one of our things we love to do as a family is to visit 
and go to uh, comic book conventions. And at, at the, at the, at comic book conventions, there's all kinds of stuff happening and, and including uh, actors and people that have been in different sh- television programs or movies uh, come there and you can meet them. And just randomly, uh, you, there's not usually like television programs from when I was a child. I don't remember ever hearing about actors being there at a comic book convention, but Julie found out that Mr. McFeely, uh, David Newell, the man who played Mr. McFeely on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, was going to be at a comic book convention in Chicago once one uh, spring, and so she made she made sure that that we were going to be there on the day that he was there, and uh, she was very, you know, intent about me meeting him. You know, I was nervous about it. I didn't know if I would bring up my idea about a book with him or even to what extent he was still involved um, with Mr. Rogers. And uh, so we met him and, and he was such a wonderful person. So warm, almost, you know, just like I would have picture Fred Rogers, you know, just super kind. He talked with us for like a long time, even though there was a line, you know, it was, and I can picture uh, Fred Rogers doing the same thing, you know, just, just being so uh, just wanting to, to carry a conversation in a, even though he's doing a signing or whatever it is. And um, I didn't end up bringing up the book, you know, but um, I think somehow it did come up where he found out I write and illustrate books. I didn't talk about wanting to do a Mr. Rogers book, but he gave me his card. And then I never, uh, I never did anything with it. I actually lost the card. I still haven't been able to find it. And uh, and then another thing that happened about a year or so later is I was chatting with an author friend who lives in Pittsburgh, Jonathan Oxier. And Jonathan told me that he knows someone that knows someone who works with Fred Rogers. Uh, at the time, it was Fred Rogers Company. Now it's Fred Rogers Productions. And he said he wanted to give them my name. And I was like, oh, man, I guess uh, I guess I got to do this, you know, because now it's like it's it's so close to being able to actually talk to someone. And I can't really I have to I have to actually have to actually attempt this now. So uh, I got an email about a week later and the email was from. David Newell, which was, which was such an interesting coincidence. And he said, you know, um, he asked me, somebody had told him that I had a book idea and he he said he would be, he would be up for talking on the phone. So we, we ended up chatting for a while on the phone and he gave me, um, it was, it was a really nice conversation. Um, but you know, he was not super, he's, he's not, he's pretty much semi-retired. Um, he was certainly very active in the company for many years, but, uh, he, he's sort of semi-retired and, but he gave me the name of someone that I could reach out to. So I did that, you know, I reached out to, um, someone at the company and, and it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a very easy, I would say in this early stage to win them over, you know, um, this was still at a time, too, when um, Mr. Rogers was not very, it wasn't, it wasn't a huge thing, you know, like, I feel like it, there's been a, there's been a big resurgence in the past five years or so, but this was still at a time when, um, you know, Mr. Rogers was, a, was still a beloved figure, but it wasn't, he wasn't in the public eye as much, certainly as he, as he once was. So they were sort of surprised that, 
they were, you know, I think they were sort of surprised that that I, that I wanted to make the book, and and I think there was probably some skepticism in terms of who am I, you know, like if you know they're in a completely different world than we are in children's books, um, you know, we have the same audience, but uh, we we have totally different circles, and you know, to just write someone out of the blue and say I'm a I'm an author and illustrator of, of children's books. I think, I think that can really mean anything in this day and age. Uh, so I think there was a little bit of a disinterest, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I can understand that. I can certainly understand that. Uh, if you don't know who someone is and, uh, and you know, you aren't aware of their, their capabilities or work history. Um, it's, it's, I think it's difficult to, to take someone seriously. So it took it took a little bit of uh, sweet talking and and figuring out uh, exactly who to be be in correspondence with. Yeah, it was just, this was around the time that I got involved in the project, right? That's right. Yeah, and so uh, I think the very first time I reached out to them, I didn't have a publisher attached to it, uh, and I think that may have been part of the part of the the delay in getting any sort of reaction from them. And then I was like, you know, I really need to show this to, to an editor and maybe that'll make a difference. And so I, so you, you know, pick, honestly, pick an editor out of the book. And <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, you know, I, I had, I had an editor, Neil Porter in mind the whole time I was, I was, I was envisioning this book because, you know, it had come up in conversation and, you know, I talked to Phil and Aaron instead about it and, and they were like, you know, I bet Neil would love to do this book. And, and I was like, yeah, I hope so. Cause I, I really want to show it to him when I get it, when I get, whenever I get something down on paper. So at that point I was like, I, I got to show this to Neil and hopefully he'll like it enough at least to want to, uh, attach himself to it. And I emailed, I remember I emailed you. Um, and I said, I have this thing that I'm doing. I didn't tell you what it was, <laughs> but it's nonfiction. And I love your, your, this picture book biography. And I love the work you've done in that, in that realm. And, uh, and I, I didn't say I wanted to, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't been published with you as an author at this point, only as an illustrator, yeah, only as an illustrator. Right. Yeah, and I I remember saying, um, being pretty pretty elusive, pretty coy about it, and saying like, uh, I just want you, I just want you to look at it and see if you might be able to give me any any advice. You know, hoping <laughs> that you would look at it and be like, more like, uh, I want to publish this with you. You know, and uh, so I sent it to you, and that's how that's how we got started. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very early on, I'd written an extremely long picture book. I remember Um, that. Yeah. yeah. Uh Uh-huh. It was really long, really, really way too long. Um, And I think I I just wrote everything that I wanted to say is what I did. I think it was the way to approach it, actually. And it's interesting because I've often found that artists who also write I think they're much more comfortable with a visual vocabulary and I think they feel like they have to overcompensate by writing a lot, mm-hmm. even though they've, you know, been successful uh, with the books they've illustrated. Uh, it, it's as if they don't have enough confidence to let the pictures tell the story. 
So exactly. yeah, know, my role is very much kind of like saying, Hey, can we, can we, can we let the pictures be the driver here? And, mm-hmm. and that's how the book found its form. And I remember getting in contact with Mr. Rogers people too, and saying, Hey, you know, we're really are legit. And, uh, mm-hmm. and this author you you're uh, dealing with has just won the Caldecott medal for the most distinguished picture book of the year which you had for Wolf in the Snow, I think the year before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I think they did sort of snap to attention eventually, and then it got a lot easier. We sort of broke through the ice. Exactly. It yeah. was, but it was very important, I think, for both of us to have their blessing, A, because, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't want to do anything that would upset uh, the people who were responsible for maintaining the legacy of Fred Rogers, um, mm-hmm. but also because they had clearly had access to archival material that would be really interesting and important for you to go through. And, and in fact, I, I really didn't want to make the book if I couldn't if I couldn't get them on board. You know, I I just felt like it would be in a way disingenuous just personally speaking, if, if I made a book about someone who I, I love and, and, uh, and look up to. So with such a high regard, um, to make a book without, uh, the cooperation and blessing of the people that still operate, uh, in his name, you know, and, uh, and and under his principles. And, um, I just didn't, I didn't want to make it any other way. So it was really hard for me. Those, those days of, of not being able to cut through and not being able to know for sure if it was going to, if it was going to work out or not in the early days when we were trying to, to get, to get in touch with them, I can remember um, just trying to, just trying to, just trying to talk about my, the books I've published with the publishers and your, what you mentioned before, I think it, I, during that time was when Wolf in the Snow uh, uh, received the Caldecott Medal, and and you said uh, you really got to send them a copy of the book with the Caldecott sticker on the cover. And I think you're, that absolutely, um, I think it has opened their eyes to the seriousness of the whole thing. You know, um, yeah. And we discovered that after after that initial kind of slight reluctance to deal with us, they were actually very warm and supportive of our efforts. absolutely. Yeah, it was, um, they, they've been they were terrific. Um, and you're you, as you mentioned, yeah, the the the, re- the research, um, being able to have access to and be able to interview and uh, bounce ideas off of the people that that actually knew him intimately from working with him. Some of these people that still work at the company worked with Fred Rogers from, you know, episode one in 1968. Um, so, I mean, to, to, and, and, you know, I wouldn't have been able to uh, have that kind of relationship with them if we weren't able to have the full cooperation of Fred Rogers productions. So that, that was invaluable um, to be able to speak with them and uh, and also go through archives of yeah. Tell us, tell us about that trip you made to Pittsburgh. Yeah. So so once we once we were together, once you know everybody was um, on board, you know Holiday House, Fred Rogers Productions. Uh, I knew I was going to have to go to Pittsburgh, where everything happened, in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, where uh, Fred grew up, and so. Um, this was right around the holidays 
of, uh, I guess it would have been, um, what, 20, 2017, 2018, 2018, 2018. Yeah. Um, 20, and so I, it was, my kids were out of school at that time, so we, I, and because it was about Mr. Rogers, you know, there's no way I could have gone out there by myself. So uh, <clears throat> we made a family trip out of it, and um, the uh, the very first stop um, when we got in was to to go to the uh, the offices, Fred Rogers Productions, and, and a lot of people were because it was it was basically New Year's. It may have been January second. There were still some people that weren't in the office. There was like when we got into the reception desk, there was no one at reception even. Um, but as soon as we walked in, immediately to my, to your left, and you looked left, there is a glass case that holds the original little model town that opens up. That every episode opens up to a little tiny little town of Mister Rogers' neighborhood. It's under a glass case. And it was just, I knew immediately I was in for a treat on this trip. And I saw that, um, just gave me goosebumps. Um, and, uh, and then we were able to, to get into the office. We had lunch with the family was there and, uh, had like a nice little round table of a lot of people. It was about five or six people who, most of which who were, um, sort of the old, the old school, you know, of the Mr. Rogers, um, the people that worked with Mr. Rogers. And uh, so we all had a nice little lunch together. And then my Julie and the kids uh, went out to explore Pittsburgh. And then I just had a nice, a nice afternoon just talking with, uh, with everyone at Fred Rogers productions. It was just such a nice, it was a nice uh, way to get to know each other. And also just to, to learn about, you know, what else can I do to make this better? What can I do to, and just to find out how we could work together. And, uh, and the next day I drove out to uh, La Trobe, which is where the Fred Rogers center is. And, and um, they do a lot of, uh, there's an archive at the Fred Rogers center and they have just tons and tons of uh, photographic reference. Um, there's a permanent display of, uh, of, of, of objects and, and written pieces uh, from Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, the puppets, the original puppets, his different pairs of shoes that he wore, his sweaters, trolley, set pieces. It's just, it's just amazing. Um, and, uh, and I also opened up a relationship with uh, the archivist there, uh, Emily. And um, yeah, I mean, all of these doors opened at that point of just ways that I could I could really, I could really dig deep in a way that I probably wouldn't have been able to um, if we didn't have Fred Rogers Productions on board with us. So um, being able to do that research and 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 also just to travel around Pittsburgh, drive around Latrobe um, with my family, you know, and and see all these different things together. You know, they didn't come out to Latrobe with me, but. Even in Pittsburgh, there's still different places where, you know, there's the Heinz History Center where they have a, a, a permanent exhibit of uh, Fred Rogers um, set pieces and different objects and, and uh, things from the, the program on display. And my family was able to come to see that. And uh, it was just it was just a really special weekend. And the very last thing we saw, they have this massive uh piece of public art that's a big sculpture of of fred rogers putting on 
one of his sneakers and there's like this big arch and it plays like a, a constant loop of uh, different songs that he sang. And it's just, it was just a really special weekend and, and everything about, about exploring um, Pittsburgh and learning about Fred Rogers, learning about Mr. Rogers neighborhood. It was kind of like a dream, you know, it was, it was so special. So um, it was just perfect, you know, to, to be able to have my family there and to be able to meet all these wonderful people. And then from that point on, to, to, to really dig deep, get to work, and and collaborate even. Um, well, all of that really informed the, the book that... Absolutely. Uh, ...that subsequently um, came out of it all. And, and uh, hearing you talk about the archival material and the iconography, I mean, there's so much of that in the book. I'm looking at it now. And, and one of the things I love about this book is that it, you know, yes, it's a picture book biography of... Of Mr. Rogers, but it's, I don't like doing really conventional kinds of biographies, and this isn't uh, the first thing you're confronted with when you uh, open the open the cover. Uh, the first page of the book has some iconography taken directly from the show. Matt, you want to talk a little bit about that and how that's woven through the book? One of the things that I think kind of tripped me up at the beginning when I was writing it was wanting to talk about all the significance of all the, of all the things that were on this, this program that ran for so many years. There's so much to it. It's so, it's so layered. And so there is a lot of iconography. There's a lot of uh, importance and significance in different ways, the different set pieces, um, and I, I, I had this inclination to want to, you know, talk about all of these things. And I realized, as as you and I, as you and I began to work together, that uh, what we could do is we could show these in the background. We could show these 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 pictures, these little um, models or things that you know the pic, the, the the flashing traffic light that you see at the beginning of every episode. All these little things, symbols, and we could talk about it. And uh, at the back of the book, you know, in the back matter. And um, so and we stripped out a lot of the text and we um, ended up building it back in towards the back. So we, I was able to, they're almost like Easter eggs, you know, like when you say, you know, an Easter egg in like a film or in a, in a, a video game or something like that. Um, these little pictures that you might see from one page to the next, things happen, little little background elements, little things, uh, different characters, different puppets, um, little, uh, little things that you might not notice when you first read through the book. When you get to the back of the book, we have, we built in what we call a visual glossary, which was a wonderful idea. It was something I hadn't even thought about. I remember Jennifer, uh, our, our wonderful designer, art director, Jennifer Brown, um, I remember she suggested that and it, it really opened up a lot of, a lot of uh, storytelling, I think. Um, because if you go to the back of the book and you look at this visual glossary, there'll be little like little icons and explanations of those icons. And it's a fun thing, I think for the reader to be able to go back and flip through the book and find those little Easter eggs, these little icons and, and read, and then also be able to read about them. And uh, for instance, there was a, 
one of the stories I wanted to tell, I knew I wanted to tell this story, um, but there wasn't really a place for it in the manuscript. Um, there was a, and there was a, an anecdote I heard about where Mr. Rogers had his car parked on the street and, or Fred Rogers, I should say, this was in, you know, real life. Um, Fred Rogers had his car parked on the street and he went out to get it one day and it was gone. It had been stolen. And um, a couple of days went by, it was on the news. Um, Mr. Rogers car was stolen. It was kind of this big story in Pittsburgh. And as soon as it hit the news, the next day, the car was returned to its uh, original parking spot with a note that said um, from the, from the thieves, allegedly it said, uh, we're sorry. We wouldn't have uh, taken the car if, if we knew it was yours. And uh, it's just really that little story that had no place in the main part of the book. It really speaks a lot to the man that he was um, and, and, and is, you know, his legacy. Um, even a criminal, <laughs> a Pittsburgh criminal or criminals, um, he, he would he would soften the hardest of hearts, you know, and uh, there's it's just no one like that. And uh, that little story, it just it, it almost moves me to tears every time I just tell it. It's just so powerful that I, I wanted to find a spot for that. But there's, you know, there's a lot of little stories like that in that visual glossary. And that's where that. Uh, that was that, really fun to work on. I, yeah. I'm really, really glad we included that in the Definitely. book. But, but, you know, as I said, this isn't, this isn't your typical. Fred Rogers was born in Latrobe, exactly. Virginia, blah, 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 blah. I mean, you see, you see the, the flashing uh, traffic sign and the grandfather clock and the um, castle and, and, uh, you know, and then, you know, you don't even get a traditional title page initially. You get an image of Fred playing at the piano. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's something that is covered in the book, that he, you know, he was a musician. And obviously he composed a lot of the songs that we're so familiar with today. Right. Um, but... Um, yeah, anyway, it's a wonderful picture. It's one of my favorites in the book. It's Fred playing at the piano. And out of the top of his grand piano are all these emblematic images of kids and trolleys and 13. And um, it's just a panoply, a cornucopia of things relating to Mr. Rogers. And there's a really lovely quote uh, with which we begin the book. You want to you read that? Yeah, sure. So... Um yeah, it was it was important to me to open the book um, in some way uh, that speaks about the spirit of Fred Rogers, and I felt like that picture of him playing the piano, number one, playing the piano and music was it was very much a big part of his spirit and all the things, all the artwork and all all the, all the art that he made in various ways in his life coming out of his music and coming out of his piano. And the quote itself speaks to that as well. I think it says, um, it's our insides that make us who we are that allow us to dream and wonder and feel for others. That's what's essential. That's what will always make the biggest difference in our world. And uh, he was so full of these, you know, very powerful impacting impacting uh, quotes like that um that that i 
That's a, that's a big part of, you know, you, you do see like a lot of memes and stuff that go around with Mr. Rogers quotes because he just said these, he, he was, he had the, a, a, he had a real talent, I think for distilling emotions and, and, and wordy and long subjects into very sm- short quotes. Um, either on the television program, he gave a lot of speeches throughout his life. And uh, you see a lot of memes and stuff that go around with, with these quotes. And, and I wanted to, that to be a part of the book too. So we've kind of peppered little Mr. Rogers quotes uh, throughout the book whenever it, uh, whenever it made sense. But um, well, for someone who, who hasn't, hadn't done a, a nonfiction book before, you certainly have a talent for taking a very complex life and rendering it both interesting and accessible uh, and understandable to a picture book age child. Uh, and, and uh, you know, the book opens essentially you're, you're with, you know, welcome to Mr. Rogers neighborhood, which is the way every program began. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you suddenly realize you're looking at a, a model and then a set and you're thrust into the world of the making of Mr. Rogers neighborhood Right. Uh, before you really get any, any information about his life and his growing up, which does come later in the form of a lot of scrapbook-like images and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, what what the book needed to be for me was not just a picture, picture book biography um, about Mr. Rogers, which was, you know, was, was big of enough of a challenge, big enough of a challenge, um, but it needed to be... Uh, a sort of a a nonfiction book about Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, you know. Um, so what it became was this sort of fusion of uh, a lot of description of how television programs are made, a lot of description about how Mr. Rogers' neighborhood evolved and became what it what it became. And that is really the structure of the book, you know, uh, the, how television programs are created how Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood um, was made. Um, and then we, we sort of wove in the biographical information, which that was missing in, in the earliest versions that I was writing. And uh, that's where it helps to have a good editor <laughs> to help you uh, figure out the best way to, um, to tell the story. So it's not just like a, it's not just like a, like a textbook, you know, it's not like, a, it's not just a very dry telling um, as, as you know, and I think you're right. The illustrator in me would always, you know, you write something and you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to spruce this up with some nice pictures and it's not going to matter, but uh, it does matter. It certainly matters. Um, but I think the impulse was, was, uh, was to do that sort of tip, that sort of typical, because it being my first stab at a at a picture book biography, the impulse was to to make it sort of very typical. Um, but once I showed it to you, I, I knew uh, I knew you would have some 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 excellent input to to help it evolve. Well, I'm just sort of flipping through the pages here, and it's so full of it is the untextbook of all time because it's so full of life and musical notes are scattered throughout the book, and great portraits and portraits of people who appeared on on Mr. Rogers, people like Yo-Yo Ma, the great mm-hmm. cellist, and and Margaret Hamilton who played the Wicked Witch and Wizard of Oz, and Eric Carle, great picture book creator um, of very hungry caterpillar fame. And all the characters, both human and puppet, 
that brought right. the show to life. It was it, it's really just a joy to encounter them, and and I love the way the book ends. Um, I'll read the last line. He he respected and appreciated the talents and artistry of all who were involved in the creation of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And because of this, everyone felt connected in a very sincere and personal way. And then you turn the page and there's the entire cast of characters. And it says, just like a real neighborhood. And you turn the page again and uh, there's a picture of Fred surrounded by kids just going off into the into the into across the page uh into the into the future actually and it says just like yours and that's how the book proper ends before mm-hmm. the additional material we included at the end i, I want to go back and talk about the subtitle um because i think it's also extremely relevant not only to the book but also to the times in which we live it's called the kind and caring world of mr rogers and i remember you know, long before the pandemic, long before uh, um, all of the, what we've experienced in the last several months had happened, we were still living in a very fractious time. Um, and and that message of caring and kindness struck me as one very much worth broadcasting. Um, and I think that informed your, your book as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think even even when I was um, when I was first envisioning the book, it was uh, it was you know I just feel like the United States, maybe worldwide, I suppose. There's just so much uh, strife, you know, and and uh, judgment, and um, I don't know, just prejudice and. Uh, and to encounter someone like Mr. Rogers, who was uh, just loving and accepting of, of all people. Um, and just, and he, and it wasn't like he, he, he sort of approached dissension and problem with the solution of kindness. Um, he didn't argue. He didn't uh, force someone to change their mind. He just encountered it with kindness. And uh, that was just so almost like, you know, revolutionary, radical, um, that you just come at, you come at a problem, you come at uh, hatred, you come at anger with kindness. Um, that's how you treat it. And even when I first discovered, rediscovered him as an adult, it was just so just... Uh, it came at the perfect time, I think, for me, um, because I really needed that in my life. But I think, in general, I think we all need that. We all need someone like Mr. Rogers uh, to show us the, the power of kindness. I'm so proud of this book, and I had so much fun working on it with you. And uh, as with any project, it, you know, there are moments when you just want to throw yourself out the window because... <laughs> Whatever comes together, will Fred Rogers people ever respond? Uh, but yeah. then it all magically kind of comes comes together, and you you have a book that you are so incredibly proud of. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, it was. Um, I remember several times making the book, um, saying we we were going to have to make a book about 
how we made this book because it was just <laughs> it was just such a it was such an experience like unlike everything I'd, any other book I'd made for sure um, not just because it was nonfiction just because it was there were a lot of obstacles to overcome and then once we did it was just incredibly gratifying and uh, I'm just really I'm super I'm so proud of it as well um, it just I, I just love it so much and I'm so I'm so honored and glad that we're able to to, to make it as we wanted to make it and also that you and I could make it together. So, yeah. Great experience. And so um, um, following the, the end of the book proper, as we mentioned, there are all kinds of additional uh, bits. Uh, There's a longer essay about Fred. There are photographs, actual photographs of Fred. There's the visual glossary that we refer to. There's wonderful personal essay that you wrote called Mr. Rogers and me. And, there's all this stuff, and then and then it ends uh, with a really lovely image uh, of Fred in his red sweater against a blue background, uh, and uh, and carrying a bunch of bunch of things that, like the front uh, that are are redolent of Mister Rogers' culture, um, and a wonderful quote. Uh, you want to read that one? Yeah. So the very last page, it ends. Just like every episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood ends, um, and it says, uh, you are a very special person. There's only one person like you in the whole world. There's never been anyone exactly like you before, and there will never be again. And people can like you just because you're you. And it was Fred Rogers. It's pretty pretty great, and I think it's a wonderful note on which to end. Um this is the guest book, and uh, I think we're meant to sign uh, sign the guest book. And that seems like a pretty good quote to sign off with, Matt, unless you have something else you'd like to add. No, I think that's the perfect way to end, just as uh, Mr. Rogers would himself. So, And uh, I just want to add that it, it's been a joy to talk to you, as it's always a joy to make books with you. And, uh, and speaking of kindness here. and gentleness, you are, you are a gentleman among men and uh, it's just been a treat to spend this time with you so thank you all for listening to the holiday house guest book podcast and uh, i hope you come back and listen to other programs thanks so much 